You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now, Go Wild is similar to Instagram and similar to Facebook. It is a social app, but it is dedicated to the outdoors. Whether you love to hike, hunt, fish, just be outside, Go Wild is the social app for you, right? They've recently introduced some new functionality. The first one is the near me functionality. You can find people who are located in your general area, whatever state you live in, whatever county you live in, and you can hook up with them, right? You can talk to them about where they're finding success fishing, where they're finding success hunting. If you're looking for someone like a hunting buddy, this would be a great option for you. The second new functionality is the gearbox. What's cool about the gearbox is People go there and they talk about their gear. You can find out information about the popular gear, what people are using, how they like it, and it even allows you to shop for, like I think it's like 150,000 different objects, pieces of gear and equipment that you can actually purchase or have a link to purchase from the Gearbox functionality. If you want to find out more information about Go Wild, you need to just go to wherever you download your apps and download Go Wild today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this, and welcome to the Hunting Gear Podcast. My name is Dan Johnson, I'm the host, and today... If you go and scroll through social media, if you are following any type of hardcore bow hunter, any DIY guy, you're going to hear somebody talk about hunting from a tree saddle. And if you're like me, I'm on social quite a bit, doing my job, promoting the podcast, promoting the Sportsman's Nation, and uh, you know, just checking in to see what's going on in the hunting community you won't go very far without hearing about tree saddles. Tree saddles and hunting from a tree saddle is becoming more and more popular. I can remember, I want to say 15 years ago, late 90s, early 2000s, the saddle hunting, uh, there was, a, there was a, a saddle hunting type of pop, but then it kind of faded away. And then recently, I want to say within the last five years, maybe even a little bit longer, a new wave of saddle hunting popularity has hit. And today, I am talking with two brands. I'm talking with the Arrow Hunter brand by New Tribe, and I'm talking with Tethered. And these guys are 
what I would call the two most popular brands within the hunting industry and the hunting community right now. You hear guys from both sides talk about it. I mean, you want to talk about a group of people who are hardcore when it comes to their gear, hardcore when it comes to their strategy, where they hunt, how they hunt, what, how, how they dedicate time to hunting. It's the saddle hunting group. And I just wanted to get uh, these guys on the phone. I know there's a lot of information. There's probably a hundred other podcasts out there, but never both companies on the same episode. So basically, I ask the questions. You know, I, we talk about company history, we talk about product line, we talk about design, material, engineering, the future, what makes saddle hunting so popular, and a variety of other questions. So. I don't want to bore you. I don't want to get uh, this intro too long, but be sure you subscribe to the Hunting Gear Podcast on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. And uh, every week we come out with a new episode of either me and Bob talking about products that we like or dislike or have used in the past, or we interview manufacturers like what we're doing today. So if you are a saddle hunter or you have ever thought about saddle hunting or if you are a mobile hunter this is going to be an episode for you so sit back enjoy the hunting gear podcast starts right now all right on the phone with me now mr jan corrigan jan how you doing man good dan how are you today i'm doing great doing great finally there is a break in the weather here in iowa and i'm not dripping sweat so Oh, it's not. It's uh, it's extremely hot here today. It's 82 and very humid today. So, uh, it's uh, I'm I'm in Wisconsin, by the way. So yeah. we're 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 almost neighbors. That's right. Yeah. Well, today we are going to be talking about saddle hunting and specifically your brand, uh, the New Tribe Arrow Hunter, and we're going to break down that company. And uh, yeah. before we get into the meat and potatoes of the, the company and the products and whatnot, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you guys are located and what your role within the company is? Sure, yeah. Arrow Hunter New Tribe is located in uh, Grants Pass, Oregon. Uh, that's in southern Oregon, up in the mountains, in, the, uh, in a place called the Rogue Valley. Um, they've been in business um, since 1984, uh, creating tree climbing equipment for um, the arborist and um, recreational tree climbing industry. Arrow Hunters was founded in 2013 when a group of hunters came to New Tribe and asked them to create a quieter version of the arborist saddles, but obviously more specifically for hunting. Um, so um, that's a little bit of the background and history of that company. The lady, um, the lady who owns the company, her name is Sophia Sparks. Uh, she's, uh, she's actually 70 years old. She was one of the first uh, women um, to, she was basically one of the pioneers in the recreational tree climbing industry out on the West Coast. That's why New Tribe became, uh, came into existence in 1984 because they were using rock harnesses um, and utilizing those to climb trees. However, they found that the rock climbing harnesses were not really meeting their needs and they were very uncomfortable for, you know, sitting out in space. Obviously, when you're climbing a tree, sometimes you rope climb um, and putting all your weight on those uh, very narrow straps that are utilized in climbing harnesses harnesses were very uncomfortable. So she and her partner uh, began, began creating these tree saddles specifically for the recreational tree climbing industry. And that caught on obviously in a big way out on the West coast because they have those, 
they had those huge uh, redwood trees, the sequoias and the, uh, um, you know, all those other, you know, 200 foot tall trees out there. And, and that's kind of the background on that aspect of it. So uh, real quick, recre- sure. they have like recreation tree climbing out west where it's just people going up into a tree. Yeah, you climb up into the canopy and uh, you just hang out. They actually um, produce this. It, it's a it's like a hammock but it has a frame it's like one of those um if you ever watch big wall climbing in the climbing industry they use those portal ledges yep uh, they actually produce this like portal ledge that you can haul up into the tree canopy and anchor it and you can do like tree camping and, and just kind of hang out up there wow that's yeah. in, that's interesting and then that this, that's where it all started i would that's love the- i would love to meet the guy who approached them and said you know what? I think this has an application in hunting as well. Did, did that happen when a Midwesterner got got a hold of it or a West Coast guy got a hold of it? Um, the gentleman who I believe he's from Ohio originally, but he li- now lives in uh, Utah. His name's Bobby Boswell. Um, and he was uh, one of the first hunt, one of the group of hunters. I think there was about three or four guys that came to the company in 2013. Um, and, and, and Bobby's a pretty prolific hunter. He, yep. uh, he works in a, he works in a capacity for the state of Utah where he manages, um, nuisance animals at their airport. Um, so that's kind of his professional background. Um, really great guy. And he had a lot of input into the first development of the, uh, first tree saddle with arrow hunter. I know Bobby Boswell now. Okay. Oh, you do? Nope. Oh, yeah. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, um, you know, it, it's crazy because him and Garrett are uh, on a podcast, the DIY Sportsman, on the Sportsman's Nation network. So, sure, yep. yep. So, I, yeah, it, now I'm putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I can't. I kind of came in after, uh, you know, Bobby had, had had gone on to do some other pursuits and I had wound up speaking to uh, Sophia about utilizing um, the Arrow Hunter Kestrel in my hunting here in the Midwest, and I have a background in marketing and advertising. I worked in Chicago 10 years uh, for a company called Leo Burnett Advertising, worked in the television production and marketing world. Um, so that's kind of where I came in, and she and I kind of developed a friendship and had a discu- some discussions, and she hired me on last year um, to basically manage their social media and do some video editing and uh, run their trade shows. Gotcha. Okay. All right, so in 2013, when when New Tribe expanded into the saddle hunting arena, you know, making uh, products for specifically for hunting. Now, what did that that expansion look like? Um, well, basically, the stories that I have heard, and, and again, I, I only been with the company for about uh, a year and a couple of months now. So um, the stories that I was told that these um, these guys came to her um, and, you know, Bobby had a lot of input um, into the design of uh, the first couple of saddles that they came out with up until the uh, the Kestrel, I believe. Um, he and the designer, uh, the designer at uh, Arrow Hunter New Tribe, his name is Casey Jones. Um, really, really uh, cool, creative guy um, and has been working in that industry for, for years and years. And he and Bobby um, have collaborated over the years on the, um, the different features. So I, the story that I heard was when Bobby and these other guys came to them, um, you know, they, they kind of just there was a lot of back and forth. And 
I believe Bobby's been out there two times, um, and he's kind of helped with the the uh, the R and D and development of of some of their saddles. And I know um, Casey ha- holds him in very high regard, and he he's got a lot of input into the designs of these new tribe saddles. Gotcha. This is right now. Uh, saddle hunting is at like this crazy all-time high i feel uh, i can remember the last time there was a bit of a a saddle craze and then it kind of went away for a little bit this time i feel it's back but it's it's stuck around a little bit longer in my opinion yeah. than it, than it has in the past what do you think that's um what's contributing to that uh, I think the rise of a number of companies and then there's a big um, there's a big push for public land hunting in the industry, um, you know, with with guys like Dan Infault and uh, the hunting public. You know, a lot of these um, guys are on YouTube and, and the DIY sportsman, as a matter of fact. Um, I think those guys had a lot of um, influence into the fact that guys who hunt public land want to go in uh, lighter and quieter and um tree saddles basically meet that need. So um, there's been such of an explosion in the last three to five years of hunters going out onto or rediscovering, I guess, public land. I guess that sounds weird. Uh, but, you know, there's always a focus for such a long time in the industry on, um, you know, food plots and, and, and private lands and leases and that type of thing. Uh, this, this public land um, uh, reawakening, I think, has basically had a big uh, part to do with it. The second part of that is I think there's a number of companies now, um, you know, the main two, well, the main three big ones that I that I can name are obviously uh, um, Trophy Line, Tethered, and Arrow Hunter. I think the fact that there's uh, three companies out there producing saddles and, and producing different products and kind of pushing the, um, the awareness of tree saddle hunting out to people, I think that also has a big thing to do with it. Gotcha. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the the saddle in general. Have yeah. Have you been a saddle hunter for a while, or when did you did you make a transition at all, or have you? What's your What's your story? Yeah. So um, I hunted a lot of public land. I'm actually from the East Coast originally. I've been living in Wisconsin for a pretty long time. Um, my uncle owns a farm in upstate New York, and that's where I you know learned how to hunt and fish and and all that thing. And it was always tree stands. And then when uh, my family moved to Wisconsin, I'd always utilize, um, you know, a tree stand um, and I'd hunt mainly public land here. So then um, I was made aware of the uh, Arrow Hunter saddles uh, about five years ago. Um, and I've, I've been um, saddle hunting for about four years now. And basically that, that was it. I wanted, I wanted to go in lighter and quieter. I didn't want to haul in a big tree stand. Um, and that was the transition. I, I, I had done some, uh, recreational rock climbing in college and it just seemed to make sense to me. I was, I was comfortable with, uh, with the knots and the rope work and, um, and the concept of it. And I said, that's just a brilliant idea. And that's going to basically shave off, you know, 12 to 15 pounds off my, off of my pack. If I can utilize a tree saddle, um, into some of the places that I hunt here in Southeast Wisconsin. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what you just said here. Uh, you mentioned something about, you know, obviously we're going to sit here and we're going to compare a saddle to a tree stand and, and shaving off the weight. What is a tree saddle specifically what you guys make? What is, what is the material? What is it made out of? How is it constructed to 
help a hunter be more mobile and be quiet? So yeah, a tree settle is basically uh, cordura and webbing sewn together um, in a in a uh, in a climbing harness configuration. Um, the difference between a tree saddle and a, and a climbing harness is the tree saddle actually has a cordura seat that actually makes it more comfortable. It cuts lower on the leg and uh, rides a little bit higher on the back, uh, basically so you don't have, uh, when, when you're um, leaning into it or sitting into it, um, it it's basically like a, a swing seat, um, so it's a little bit more comfortable. Um, the tree saddles that we have uh, developed over the years are, are, uh, are well the frame is based basically um uh it's one and three quarter uh nylon parachute webbing um uh, that webbing is rated to six thousand pounds um and the cordura is a sandwich together to form the seat um and then we utilize um you know we utilize ropes and webbing for the bridges and the other components um you know, our saddles are, they have a brake strength, they're tested, they're ANSI rated, they're built to ANSI spec because of um, the Arborist tree saddles require that ANSI specification. Um, the brake strength on our saddles is 5,000 pounds. You have a, a safe working load of, of 500 pounds. Um, and um, the, the nylon webbing that we use is rated to 6,000 pounds. The leg straps and buckles that we use are rated to uh, 5,600 and 4,000 pounds. So, um, you know, you got some pretty heavy-duty materials that that are utilized in the construction of these things, obviously, because um, we're trying to keep people safe at height in trees. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's the learning curve for setup? Um, the learning curve is um, pretty steep at first um, because if you're used to hunting out of a tree stand, obviously – you're just, you know, sitting in a seat and you stand up and you're, you know, you've got that back tether on. Um, with the tree saddles, obviously, you're wearing it like a climbing harness. You, uh, you have a, a waist belt that you put around your waist and then you have um, leg buckles that you uh, attach around your legs. And then you have um, different components. You have your lineman loops and then you have your bridge loops. Um, and then you have a bridge, which is basically a... Um, piece of rope or uh, adjustable nylon webbing that um, is out in front of you uh, attached to either side of your hip that gets clipped into a tree tether with a carabiner on it. Um, and then you sit into that um, and um, you kind of have to, you have to play around with it. It's not something that you're going to pick up, um, you know, right out of the box. You're going to have to put some work um, in time getting used to the equipment, um, sitting in it, setting up and then, um, and then shooting out of it as well. Okay. What is the benefit now? All right. So I have, I have my reservations on, on saddles and I've talked to sure. some, some guys about this before about spe uh, specific scenarios that I just can't seem to get over. Right. But, okay. um, what, what is the, we've, we've talked a little bit about the learning curve and, it, but what about while you're in the tree? I mean, what is the learning curve from not just setting it up, but actually hunting out of it when deer are, or whatever game you're hunting is coming from all different directions. Sure. And that's the great benefit of the tree saddle. Um, you know, tree saddle hunters will tell you now, obviously if you're a stand hunter, you have your reservations and you have your particular ways of doing things. But as far as from a tree saddle, uh, saddle hunters perspective, um, it's a great thing because, Number one, we feel um, it's safer um, because you're climbing the tree. You have a lineman's belt like you do when you're 
normally climbing up into a tree stand. Uh, once you got your platform set and you're at height um, and then you set your tether, you clip into your bridge and then that's what you're hanging from. Um, obviously, again, those those carabiners and those uh, those ropes and that that material are all rated to thousands of pounds. So, um, you know, a 200 pound guy is is, is uh, safe from that perspective. So. Um, when you're climbing up a tree, you're never unhooked. You're always attached. So you have your lineman's belt on, you hang your tether, uh, you clip in, and you, you, you can't fall out of it either. Um, you know, the other aspect is the, the comfortability factor. Um, you can sit in them, you can lean in them. Um, and as far as when deer are coming in, the main benefit of a tree saddle is basically that 360 degree around the, the uh, tree um, shot opportunity if you have that in the area where you're hunting. Um, the nice thing about it is you can use the tree as a block, um, basically be, keep that between yourself and um, the deer or whichever direction you think that they're most likely to approach from. Now, the, obviously that doesn't always work out, um, but there are, you know, it, you can shoot um, directly behind you completely easy by just pivoting your hips and, and turning around as well. So, um, you know, those are some of the benefits to the tree saddles. Okay. Now, when you talk to a guy who is has been converted from tree stands to saddle hunting, what are they telling you that they like about not only the process of setting up and tearing down, but the benefits of the tree saddle versus a tree stand? Uh, the main thing I hear from guys is the mobility, um, is the fact that you don't have to, um, break down as much stuff as you do with a tree stand. You don't have to have a, uh, a tree bracket in your stand. You don't have things clanking around like you normally would with a tree stand. Um, you know, if you see deer moving, you know, a hundred yards away from where you set up, you can quick break down and, and run over there. So that run and gun aspect of tree saddles is, um, very appealing to a lot of guys. Um, the other fact is the lighter weight, um, that you don't have that tree saddle or that tree stand on your back. Um, and you're not hauling around all that weight and, you know, clinking the metal against branches and that type of thing. So, um, the lightweight, um, and the quiet and the mobility are the three main things. Okay. So like a tree stand, you need to get elevation if you're going to be hunting from a tree. I guess you don't necessarily have to, right? You mm -hmm. can probably just tie off right off the ground and, you know, or if I wanted to take a tree stand and set it up just off the ground, I could do that as well. But yes. in order, in order to get, gain elevation other mm -hmm. than the tree saddle and the rope system that goes along with it, what else do guys need to, I guess, become and properly use a saddle? Um, the main thing, the, obviously your climbing method. So, um, obviously there's a, a menagerie of climbing methods out there that guys use, whether it be, uh, tree steps or sticks, or, um, there's even guys who climb trees with, with ropes, um, in more of an arborist style that's, uh, gaining some popularity in the, uh, tree saddle hunting world. Um, and the other main thing that you need is a platform, um, so there's like a tree stand, um, saddle hunters use like a, uh, like a mini tree stand platform. And it's just basically for your feet to rest on. Um, some guys like the platform. There's another thing called a ring of steps, which is, um, uh, you know, some, there's basically step, uh, those 90 degree, uh, metal or plastic steps. Um, and they're on a ratchet strap and you can put those all the way around the, 
the tree basically to rest your feet on. Um, and you can use those um, to um, obviously uh, rotate all the way around the tree. So those are the two main other components of tree saddle hunting. Yeah. Is there something that your company recommends as to our saddle is very well complemented by this climbing system? We like, uh, we have a relationship with Matt Garris from out on a limb manufacturing. Um, he's got a number of products that are specifically geared towards tree saddle hunters. Uh, his shikar sticks, uh, are very, um, extremely lightweight aluminum sticks that fold down into nothing. Um, I believe he won best in show at ATA this past year and he's got a, uh, tree saddle platform um, that I absolutely love is called the Ridge Runner, um, and that's a it's kind of like an oval shaped platform, um, but it's super simple, super lightweight, and um, you know the way he manufactures these things out of out of aluminum. Um, that lightweight is awesome, and they're and they're bomb proof construction as well. And, and Matt's a heck of a nice guy, and and uh, they're made in uh, Oklahoma, I believe. So uh, we really like to partner with Matt and recommend his products okay but what i see is just you know like you see this group of people especially in the saddle hunters where these guys are always modifying things and tricking stuff out and you know trying to find these unique and lightweight methods to to climb and i i find that very interesting yeah i mean Saddle hunters have this real, you know, DIY um, uh, streak in them. So they're always messing with gear and, and you know, uh, replacing straps with like Amsteel daisy chains. And, um, you know, like I said, there's other guys here that are now um, basically getting rid of climbing methods and utilizing arborist techniques to get up into trees um, with ropes um, and, you know, those types, types of tools. So... I mean, really, the sky's the limit. And I think, you know, um, you know, Garrett uh, Prawl had a lot to do that with his DIY sportsman videos that he had, he's been putting out over the years. He was, uh, I think he was a real driver of that DIY um, aspect of it because he, he came up with, uh, you know, various different climbing methods to get up the trees and uh, various ways to modify the gear. So I think a lot of guys just, you know, are, are, are tinkerers and, and DIY guys and, and uh, you know, basically saw him putting out those videos and, and kind of ran with it. And it's, uh, and it seems to have continued. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, once you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to go with you guys. Just so let's say, I'm going to, I'm going to go to arrow hunter. I'm going to buy, uh, their products. What are you guys in? What are we in for as far as how much money are we going to be dropping when we get set up with your system? And what maybe what product would you recommend for a first timer? Um, so, so basically, we have different price point saddles. Um, we have a a mesh saddle which is called the Arrow Hunter Kite. Um, that saddle is one hundred and eighty nine dollars, and obviously, the benefit to the mesh uh, is it's more breathable, it's lighter weight. Um, you know, that's a good option for an entry level saddle um, to get into it. Um, we also have the Arrow Hunter Kestrel, which is um, $225 um, just for the saddle. Um, the, obviously, the saddle kits that we sell are a little bit more. They're in the $300 range, and that comes with uh, 
the saddle, the lineman's belt, the, uh, the tree tether, uh, all the carabiners and a back band. Okay. Um, and then our latest, our latest one that we've, uh, that we've, uh, designed last year. That's, uh, we've had really great sales and really great, um, reviews as far as being very comfortable as the arrow hunter Kestrel flex. That's a $269 saddle. So we, we kind of concentrate on, you know, those different price points, um, you know, to, to get people into the sport. On top of your saddle uh, and all the, the ropes and, and, and accessories that you need to operate it properly, the, the guy would still be in for his climbing system because you guys don't offer a climbing system, do you? No, we just concentrate on the tree saddles because that's the uh, the main uh, the focus of that uh, new tribe business is is the tree saddles. There's uh, you know enough other companies out in the industry and in the marketplace that provide the uh, climbing systems and platforms, and we just um, you know we recommend the recommend the ones that we like. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, so let's let's talk about people then because people come in all all shapes, all sizes. I'm a big boy. I got bad knees, right? Um, yep. I see some of these guys using using saddles. They're like squirrels just jumping around from tree to tree, right? I mean, they're they're tiny. Um, but I've also seen some big guys use saddles as well. What should a, a first time a first timer who's using? I mean, do they need to be in better shape than you know? Just I guess uh, climbing up in a tree stand. Um, does it work? for people let's just say over 300 pounds uh what kind of is is there a body shape or any issues with different types of body shapes that uh we should talk about that will make or break using a you know make it make or break using a, a saddle more comfortable or less comfortable um so i'm i'm six six one about 215 i one of my buddies that i hunt with he's uh six four and weighs uh i think he's like 235 um you know we get two two big guys like that up in the street I, I have bad knees i have a bad back i have arthritis in my back and uh you know i you know i get up a tree just fine um our, our saddles are rated to 350 pounds um comfort for a person maybe our saddles and um, specifically our Arrow Hunter Flex is it has that expandable seat. Um, you can adjust the bridges, you can adjust the placement of your ropes, um, and you can kind of play around with all that to kind of find your individual comfort level. Um, I mean, really, it's not any different from you know um, climbing with a tree stand and, and sticks when you when you once you get up in them. Um, you know, and the nice part about it, I find the tree saddles when you're sitting, um, a lot more comfortable than a tree stand. Yeah. You know, I'd be, I'd be sitting in my, in my stand, um, you know, and I, I get that lower back slash tailbone ache that, you know, if you're sitting there for an all day sit and you'd have to stand up every once in a while. Um, and the tree saddle, you can kind of, you can lean, you can sit with the back band, you can actually even recline in the saddle. Um, so they're fairly, um, versatile and comfortable. Um, you know, we have a safe working load of up to 500 pounds in the saddle at some of the trade shows that we've been to, we've had some really big boys sit in them. Um, and we have two different sizes. The size one goes up to a 34 waist and the, uh, size two goes up to size 38 or 40, I believe. Um, and then we can also do, 
We can also do a custom saddle. Um, we don't tell people that very often, but if you want to get in a saddle, we can do some custom work for specific customers. So um, we've, like I said, we've had some fairly big, large individuals sit in them at, uh, you know, the trade shows that I've been to, and they actually were pretty impressed by the, um, the, the comfort level that they uh, provide. Okay. All right. So do you have anything new that maybe you can talk about or share with us about any new products or accessories that are coming from your camp? Yeah, we have uh, we have a saddle that's coming up um, for release in um, September, um, depending on the testing. I'm getting the prototypes in the mail uh, tomorrow. Um, so we have a new new saddle coming out. It's it's kind of a departure from the saddles that are uh, that are out in the industry right now. Um, and it's even a departure from the saddles that we, um, you know, have been producing the last couple of years. We kind of reimagine them a little bit um so we're kind of excited about that that's really all i can tell you at this point um we were shooting for a release at ata but they want to bump that up to maybe september uh or uh, october is what they were shooting for so we'll see if that happens this year and then we have some um other just accessories like uh dump pouches and some other things that uh they're working on as well so that's what we have coming up cool all right so a guy who is considering buying a saddle is standing in in a in front of a wall full of the other saddles that are out, mm-hmm. out there on the market from all the different brands yep. why should this guy consider an arrow hunter over the other brands that are out there 36 years of experience of building uh tree saddles for the arborist and uh, recreational tree climbing industry um and the fact that we were in the new iteration of saddles, um, before, um, you know, some of these other companies came along, we were, um, the first ones putting them out. We're always testing and evaluating. We're listening to our customers. Um, and then obviously the, the safety factor, the fact that we've been building them, uh, since 1984, um, that we, we use, um, quality products and they're all made in America in Grants Pass, um, at our, facility by American workers, um, you know, here in America. So if that's a, that's a concern for people, um, these days as well. So, you know, your, your, your saddle is handcrafted by people, um, you know, that, that work at Arrow Hunter. So the, the, I'm, I'm on your website right now. I would, I would, uh, encourage people to, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm on your website right now and I don't I don't see that, man. You need to if if you or guys are have a product that's made in America, you need to let people know about that. That's just my personal yeah, opinion. For for sure. We I mean, we we kind of put that out there on our social media. We're we're going through a uh little we're we're actually going to do a website redesign so we Got kind you. of uh, <laughs> it needs one. Uh so we're actually uh working with uh uh Justin Zara and uh the Rhino group to uh, I know Justin to get a new uh, the web website going. So yeah. that'll be, that'll be cool once they get that done. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's, and it's actually that facility is an old Grange hall um, up in Grants Pass. And it's actually part of the Grange hall is the owner's home. And then the other part is the workshop. And we have, uh, it's a, it's a small American made company. We have, um, we have about 15 employees. Um, and basically everything that you get from Arrow Hunter is handmade. Awesome. That's awesome, man. I love that craftsmanship. And uh, 
one of the last questions I have for you now is your warranty. Let's, uh, why don't you break down your warranty? You know, let's say I buy a saddle and then I don't like it. Can I return it? Um, you know, what, what does it cover all that stuff? Yeah. Our, so basically if you buy a tree saddle and you, you own one of our tree saddles and you get it and you don't like it, um, you can return that for a full uh, money back uh, refund uh, as long as it's in good condition. It's not, uh, you know, it's not frayed or broken. If there's any sort of manufactured defect, you send that back. We fix or replace that free of charge. All right. Cool, man. Well, now the last thing I, I want to I'm a, I'm a tree stand guy. Right. Yeah. I am. Yep. I'm, you know, uh, my here's my here's my concern. A buck, I, I'm in a saddle. I'm facing a tree all of a sudden. And I'm and I'm right handed. So that means that my left hand is grabbing the bow and I yep. draw back with my right. And yep. I'm, I'm I'm sure you've heard this scenario before. I have. Buck is coming in hard. All of a sudden, that's the rut, right? Buck's coming in hard over my right shoulder. What do I do to make a move to put myself in position? I feel like that's not only a lot of movement, but it's a it's a huge swing in the tree, maybe even manipulating your body in an unnatural position to get a shot at that deer. So he's co- he's coming in on the right side. On my right side from the back. From the back. So basically what you would do is you would um, you could do what they call the drop shot is basically swivel your hips, swivel your right hip um, to the right. It's going to put you in that position where you're literally hanging at a 45 degree um, off of the tree. And then you have that shot behind you um, and you can take that um, or you could swing all the way around the tree, which is a lot of movement, or you could dip that. Um, you probably have to let down to do this, but you could take that bow and put it underneath your bridge and tether, um, where you have the bridge and tether going diagonally across your chest. Um, and then you can lean into that. Um, it'll, it'll basically hold you there, redraw and take that shot. Again, it's, it's situational dependent as, as all hunting. Um, I mean, I've been busted out of tree stands for the slightest movement too. So, um, yeah. So, you know, you have. You have options with the tree stand. Um, if you see them coming in, you can always use that tree as a block and then, you know, incrementally move around the tree. You're not, you know, I think there's a misconception that you're making these big swings uh, around the tree. And obviously it's it's that slight movement as you would in a tree stand as well. Yeah. What would you tell me to try to convert me? I would try, I would tell you to come sit in one and, and try it out um, because we go to a lot of the trade shows. We were just at Iowa before COVID. Um, we've done Deer Fest and a couple of others. And we get a lot of skeptics that come by the booth and we just, you know, and they're like, oh, I you know, I don't really know what I think about them. And I, I don't really want to sit them, sit in one. And then we get them to sit in one and then their eyes get big and they have what we call this light bulb moment. And they realize the, the, the safety factor, the comfortability factor. And it just kind of, um, it convinces them. So if you haven't sat in one, you haven't shot out of one, I would say, just give it a try. Just keep an open mind. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, and it's, again, it's, it's, it's hunting. So it's not the end all be all. So we don't just saddle hunt. Sometimes we ground blind hunt. It's a situational dependent, you know? Um, and sometimes, you know, I will, we'll hunt out of stands. We've got some old stands on our leases that will, um, we'll stand on the, uh, um, the armrest and use that as a foot base and we're sitting in the saddle. So, so it's pretty versatile. Um, 
you know, if you're, you don't have the exact correct wind on whatever um, space that you're hunting, that's the nice thing about it is you can you can you can basically get up just about any tree in that that tree saddle. Um, so you have that uh, that uh, that functionality as well. Perfect. Well, man, hey, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and chit chat with us about Arrow Hunter from New Tribe. And uh, is there anything else? that you want to tell us maybe like where we can find out more information about your products or anything else about the products that we need to know before we call it quits today. Yeah. If you guys want to learn more about Arrow Hunter tree saddles, you can find us at uh, www.arrowhunter.us. And then you can find us on uh, Arrow Hunter tree saddles on Facebook and Instagram. Perfect. Well, man, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate it too. It was good talking with you. The second part of this episode, we talk with Greg Godfrey of Tethered. Three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me now, Mr. Greg Godfrey. Greg, how are we doing today? Excellent, man. It's uh, it's hot down here in Georgia, but other than that, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a great day. Any, any day six feet above ground is a good day. Man, I've been preaching that my whole life. That's uh that's a great comment. What's the what's the temperature down there right now? Oh, it's in the mid 90s. Um I was out this morning putting out some trail cameras and I I had to call it at, at noon cuz it was just I swear I lost a thousand pounds in water weight. I was sweating <laughs> like crazy. And it was just too hot. The, yeah. the spiders, we, we you, you familiar with the banana spiders? Do you guys have banana spiders up there? They're just these ridiculously huge spider. The the body of it's like three inches long. No. It's ridiculous. But no. they were out like crazy. Two of them almost killed me. It was terrible. <laughs> I had to call it. Yeah. Uh, I love checking trail cameras, especially in the mornings uh, during the summer when you're not only walking through all the, the moisture, like the dew through the fields or wherever you're at, but then you get a face full of spider web going to check the camera and then you do the little shiver when you, uh, when you go to, when, you know, you shiver and you got to try to quick wipe it off your face and. Oh yeah. The joys of summer. That's yeah. for sure. It That's it, man. You do the spin away and, yeah. uh, you know, bat your arms like a crazy person <laughs> trying to make sure that spawn of Satan doesn't get you. Yeah. That's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact. Well, today yep. we're going to, today we're going to talk about tethered. Okay. Uh, and we're talking about the, you know, the saddle hunting phenomenon that is going on right now. And I think I want to start all the way back in the beginning but before we start there why don't you talk a little bit about who you are what your role is within tethered and kind of the the daily operation there yeah so um been hunting forever just like you and probably everyone that's listening to this uh grew up hunting and and what changed for me to make me kind of pursue the the saddle hunting game was, uh, I, I joined the army after college and uncle Sam moved me out to Fort Carson, Colorado. I grew up in the Southeast in, in Northwest Florida. And I tried to import those Southeast style hunting tactics out to the, the Colorado Rockies. And it, it just didn't work. There weren't, there weren't big straight, 
trees everywhere like I was used to in the south yep. that I could climb easily. Every tree was crooked. Uh, it seemed like everywhere I wanted to go was uphill and carrying heavy things just was, you know, not suitable to the terrain. And that's kind of when I started to, where I started down the path of trying to minimize my gear and make it more efficient, more lightweight. And uh, that was in you know, 2009. And uh, that started my journey of discovering saddle hunting and then going down the road of making my own gear and eventually turning that into a business. And that's really how Tethered came about. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what, let's talk a little bit about uh, the start. When did Tethered start? We officially launched, uh, we turned on our website June 1st, 2018. So we, we just hit the two year mark. Okay. So with, with that said, then, um, what was the birth? Talk to us, walk us through the birth of Tethered. Well, there was this little niche of, of saddle hunters. Uh, saddle hunting has been around forever. And I guess if we could just start, if, maybe if someone doesn't know what saddle hunting is, instead of a tree stand, uh, you basically hang in a harness. It's kind of like a, like a rock climbing harness meets a tree stand safety harness. If they were to have a baby, you'd have this, this tree saddle. That's what it's called. Yep. And um, so there was this, there was this, kind of rabid niche of hunters who did everything saddle hunting. I was, I was part of that. And there was this, there was this group and we were constantly pushing the envelope as far as construction of new saddles, new, new platforms, but n there was nothing commercially available that suited, you know, this huge, well, I say huge, this, this small really niche of hunters and, uh, me and, uh, my partner, Ernie, we decided that we would, we would make the gear that we wanted. And we figured if we could, if we could get a few hundred people to buy it, then we could get our stuff for free basically. <laughs> and, and then eventually we wanted to go on an elk hunt, uh, yeah. out West. That's, that was what we did. That's what we wanted. And so we, we kind of took some ideas that we had and merged them with the ideas that were in this small niche community. And we built exactly what we wanted and what the other folks in this community wanted. And that, that's what, that's how tethered started. We, we, we hoped to sell 200 pieces. That was the minimum that we had to buy from the manufacturer. We hemmed and hawed and, Oh man, that's a lot of money. You know, we both have, you know, we we're both just regular working guys. I was in the army. Uh, Ernie was a, he was a, uh, engineer. And so, you know, that was like a couple hundred pieces plus these, the other accessories and stuff we wanted to do, you know, that's basically going to be like our life savings. We had to throw into this on a, on a bet, you know, Hey, can we sell 200 of these things? And we ended up doing that like right away. It basically, as soon as we turned the website on, we basically sold everything and we were like, Oh crap, you know, what do we do now? Yeah. Uh, and so the next 18 months basically was playing catch up in trying to figure out how to manufacture items. And so that's what we did. And, uh, that's kind of been our story thus far is 
is everyone has supported us like crazy and way more than we ever anticipated. And it, it kind of blew up to where now both Ernie and I do it full time. I, 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 um, I got out of the army and Ernie quit his job as an engineer. And now we, we both do it full time, which is, which is insane to me still. Every time I, I talk about it to anyone, uh, it's almost like a pinch yourself. Like really, you can really do, you can really sell saddle hunting gear full time. I mean, come on, that's crazy, but yeah. it, it's a thing. Yeah, that's a fact, man. It's hot right now. You know, I can't like you can't go anywhere on social media, especially with the the people who I follow, uh, you know, the hardcore bow hunters, the guys who are running and gunning on public land. You can't go anywhere without seeing somebody talking about saddle hunting right in some aspects some way shape or form but what i want to ask you is when you guys made the decision that hey let's uh let's sit down and really talk about what this 1.0 version of this saddle is going to look like what did you what was going through your guys's heads during that creative process well we had been really building the what was the 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 mantis is what we called it which was our 1.0 saddle we had really been building it for years within the community like we we had an idea um lots of people had contributed different ideas and then we all we basically did was codify it into a system the other thing that was that was innovative that that we came up with we were really the first ones to do it was we built a uh, a system so you could go to tethered and you could get your saddle you could get the, the predator platform you could get your ropes which we you know we, we were really we kind of innovated in the ropes and there's just a lot of things that we put together so that the saddle hunter did they no longer had to go to ebay and buy an old tree stand to cut up to make a platform and they didn't have to go to rei and buy rope and tie a bunch of knots and figure out how to do it. We put all that stuff together and made it available um, in one spot. And that really was, I, I think the, the big innovation is that that's what we did. And um, we we're really kind of the first ones to ever do that. Okay. So you guys have what you would call a complete system then like um, people don't need to go anywhere else to get anything for, the saddle for saddle hunting yeah exactly and the only thing that we lack uh, at the present moment is a way to climb the tree right. so there's lots of places you can go to buy sticks or what however ladders whatever you want to do to climb the tree there's lots of places you can go to do that but there wasn't any anywhere that you could go and you could buy a whole saddle system yeah it just didn't it just flat out didn't exist right so so that's what we built and we're we're going down the path to where you can come and tethered can truly be a one-stop shop for the mobile hunter uh we're just not quite there yet okay so the next question i have is once you guys sold out you know you turn the website on tethered is an actual thing um you know it took fire and people bought up all your inventory what did the conversation look like after that i mean did it straight did, did it go straight to hey we got to figure out how we can streamline this process so we can continue to get inventory in or did your guys's mind go to the next level of how to innovate the current uh version or even you know tweak what you have to make it better yeah we did both we did both simultaneously 
Um, we were, con- we're, we're constantly, even as we speak, we're working on like 10 different things. Part of the, I guess the ethos of tethered or the, this group of us is that we, we kind of can't stop tweaking things. It's, it's a sickness and a curse, you know, um, or a blessing and a curse rather. It's, it's good that, that it happens, but we, it's like we're always looking for, you know, little ways to improve it. But to answer your question, yeah, we, we, we ended up getting rid of our first manufacturer. They, they talked a big game, but when it came time to actually produce, they just couldn't keep up with demand. So we ended up trade, we ended up firing them and we, we now have three domestic manufacturers um, here in the U S and we're working overseas with multiple manufacturers. So we, we've really turned into quite the manufacturing um, business. I mean, we, we have, I don't even know how many products we have, but we got a bunch of products and we're, we're making a bunch of them domestically and we're making a bunch of them overseas in in several different, uh, several different countries. And that's what, that's really where we turned our attention was af- after we, after we met that initial demand, we said, okay, this is obviously going to be bigger than what we thought it was going to be. And so we just all, we kind of dumped all of our resources into, um, you know, basically building out our capacity to, to build this stuff. And then meanwhile, we had the second set of, of folks, really, it's really headed by a fellow by the name of Carl. He's kind of the, the product design guru behind tethered. And, and he was constantly, coming up with new ideas and uh, for, for new products. And eventually one of those turned into the phantom, which would, we would call that, you know, the saddle 2.0 if we were going to use those terms. So it, it, it really wasn't an either or it was really a both and. Okay. So it, it's, it takes fire, right? And then obviously tethered kind of uh, is, is a mainstay, so to speak in the saddle hunting community. What is it and why do you think that tethered blew up like the way it did? Because saddle hunting, I can remember back in the day, saddle hunting was a thing, right? And then it kind of got popular for a little bit and then it went away, right? And now it's come back and it looks like, you know, it's here to stay. What is, why do you think that is? Where did that come from? I think it's it's really two things, in my opinion. When tr- when uh, saddle hunting kind of got a little bit popular back in the I don't know late nineties, uh, early two thousands, like that, some some sometime along that time frame. Yep. Just there wasn't social media. You, you couldn't connect with other hunters and really get educated. YouTube didn't really exist like it does now, where Pretty much anyone can jump on there if they're willing to work at it and build build an audience for themselves and educate people. That didn't exist. Um, now we have that, and so you know we have a bunch of people in our community that are good educators. I, I, I'm a pretty good educator. I built like tons of content around saddle hunting, and it just kind of took off. The other the other part of it is. Um, it really goes back to the, the stuff that we were building 
I mean, it was way lighter than anything that had ever been made before. So you're talking like, I mean, you used to look at a saddle, you know, in that first round where you talked about it kind of got popular in a way. Those saddles were still like six, seven pounds. And while that's not a huge number compared to a traditional tree stand, it was still kind of bulky and overbuilt. It didn't really work that great for walking to and from your your spot in the woods it didn't pack all that fantastically well into a pack um and then the stuff that we came out with was just light years ahead of that i mean it weighed like 17 ounces you could you could wear it into to the hunt and you didn't even know it was on if you didn't want to wear it in you could roll it up and throw it in a fanny pack it was so small so part of it was that people could finally learn about it through social media and then the second part of it was the gear got so much better that it was really just it was hard to ignore when you could be really comfortable with a 16 ounce tree saddle i mean it's, it's kind of hard for the hardcore guy to ignore that and um i uh, i don't want to come across or be misconstrued that i think that the saddle is a replacement for a tree stand for everyone or for every other style of elevated hunting because i don't think that's true but what i think that we were able to do as, as a community and then you know as a as our little pieces as tethered was we were able to demonstrate that it's a viable method for a lot of people for a lot of situations and i think that just it just finally resonated with people and and it, it took off Okay. So talk to me a little bit about who, who buys a saddle. What's your opinion of your demographic? Well, I think it's the guy that is a pretty dedicated hunter. I don't think, um, I, and I, and I, let me preface this was, I don't, I don't think there's any method of hunting that I'm against or that I think one is better than the other, but the guy that hunts three times a year, you know, with on the back 40 or on granddad's farm. Um, and he, and he hunts in the same places every, every, every year over and over again. That's probably not the guy that, that is concerned about cutting his weight or being quieter, um, or being more efficient in the woods. We're, we're, our market is really the guy that's pretty hardcore. Um, that he's hunting a lot. He's hunting a lot of different places. He's moving around, maybe traveling out of state on hunts, hunting a lot of public land, maybe walking a long way, walking through water, through thick stuff. Um, I think the person that that cares about weight and bulk and efficiency is the guy that spends a lot of time in the tree. And that's the guy that really sees the benefits. Uh, if, if you're only going to hunt a few times a year and you're going to hunt the same trees, I mean, put up a few tree stands and there's, that's just easy. You know, they're there they're relatively safe as long as you use your safety harness and, and all that stuff. So there's really not a lot of downsides to hunting that way. If you hunt a lot of fields or whatever, uh, if you have a, if you live somewhere where there's lots of crop lands and you hunt a lot of fields, I mean, probably box blinds and ladder stands might make more sense for, for that type of hunter. But for the, the guy that's hunting uh, more mobile, more run and guns style of hunting, then a, a minimalist system is, is very appealing. Yeah. So when I consider, I consider myself a mobile hunter. Okay. But I'm also a tree stand guy. You know, I got my sticks and I got my, my, uh, tree stand on my back. 
I hear everybody talk about this weight savings, right? And I've interviewed guys on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast who walk four or five miles deep. But I would say that 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 percentage is a very small percentage to the rest of the the hunters out there. Right. Uh, At most, at most, I will walk a mile and I'm not necessarily for. And this is my opinion. And why I'm telling you this is I want you to maybe give me a rebuttal or maybe, you know, prove me wrong. But. Saving seven extra pounds on that hike to me, just like for me, an additional seven pounds isn't anything, right? I, I don't care about that. I'm not a, a, I guess I'm not a weight savings guy. What is the feedback that you get from the people who are, I guess, uh, they're, they're motivated by ounces and, and pounds? Well, I don't think there's, I don't think that it's a, it's an either or comparison. I mean, you don't have to just be concerned with weight. That's, that is, in my opinion, one of the main benefits of, of a saddle hunting setup, but there's a lot of other ones too. Uh, if you, if you want to hide behind the tree, that can be a major benefit for a lot of people. Uh, I think it's faster to set up and I think it's quieter. So I think you can gain some efficiency in, in those areas versus a tree stand. But I'm not the guy that's going to say that tree stands uh, don't have a place in the woods. And if you use a tree stand, you can't kill deer because it's just, it's just silly. But um, it, it's just a different way of looking at it. Some people see the, the hiding behind the tree as a major benefit. Uh, I have had hunts where that was a major benefit. But then again, I killed a lot of deer out of tree stands before I knew about, about saddles. So it's not like you can't, I, I, it's not like I would ever say you can't be a good hunter if you hunt from a tree stand because that's just patently false and silly. But I do think there are some advantages that, that might matter to some that, that maybe don't matter to others. So the guys that, like you said, that walking four or five miles, which I agree with you, I think that is, that is probably very uncommon in the, the whitetail hunting world. Uh, that guy's going to no doubt see a pretty major advantage. Um, if you, if you have lighter weight gear, you just, it's just science that you fatigue more slowly. If you, if you're carrying heavier stuff, you fatigue faster. That's just a fact. If you're not walking that far, uh, maybe one mile would never matter to some people. You know, you're, you're a bigger dude. I'm a smaller guy. So I like to, I mean, I'm only five foot seven, 165 pounds. So I don't like to carry a bunch of heavy crap. I can, I mean, I was in the army and we used to rock for hours and hours with, with lots of heavy stuff on our backs. It's not like I can't do it. I just prefer not to. Um, there are a lot of guys that think that way, you know, Hey, if I'm, if I'm going to walk a long way, I'm just going to try to do it as comfortably as possible. So I don't necessarily think it's, it's, right or wrong i think it's just a, a matter of preference to be honest gotcha so all right so there's this this gang almost right this group of people who are hardcore saddle hunters what kind of feedback do you get from those guys on how to improve your products oh we get a lot man we we constantly have people that are giving us feedback through social media through um, you know, just relationships. I, I have 
I better have 40 guys that, that I send products to just, just for them to test it out. Uh, Hey, what do you like? What do you like about this? What do you dislike about it? And we constantly get feedback. We also are really plugged into the saddle hunting community in, in, in general. That's where we came from. And that's kind of who we are. So we always keep our finger on the pulse of what people like and what people don't like. And saddle hunters, they're very, very specific about their gear. I mean, a lot of saddle hunter guys are kind of gear guys. Um, I'm, I'm a gear guy. I, I, I mess with my gear all year long. I'm constantly tinkering. And a lot of times that's that, that kind of person uh, is drawn to saddle hunting for, for whatever reason. And we get a lot of feedback from them. And a lot of the, the improvements that we've made to our products over the last couple of years have come from the community. So do you have a specific example you could share with us of, you know, you introducing a product, the, the user gets back to you, and now it's going to result in a design change or an upgrade or a different version or an accessory? Yeah, our, our, our new bridge and our comfort channels on our new saddle, the, the Phantom saddle, that is a direct result of feedback from from the saddle hunting community. Our first our first product, our saddle 1.0 that we called the Mantis, it had a fixed bridge. It was, uh, I believe it was 30 inches long. And that worked for a lot of people, but there were situations where people, myself included, wanted to be able to either shorten or lengthen that, that bridge. And we figured out a way to do it. That was that bridge, the, what we call the Utila bridge on the Phantom, uh, the adjustable and steel bridge is a direct result of feedback from the community. The other thing that is a direct result is the, the comfort channels that we put on the, on the Phantom. Then uh, what they basically do is allow you to quickly change the pitch of your saddle and where you're, where you're feeling the most support. So you can move to a high comfort channel and that will put more pressure or support on your lower back. Conversely, you can move it to a low comfort channel and you can feel more pressure or support underneath your butt. So uh, that is a, also a direct result from feedback we got on the Mantis from, uh, from, from the community. And uh, I could probably give you five or six more examples, but those are really the two highlights. So it's, it sounds like you guys are tied in tight with the community i mean i'll I'll be honest there's a lot of uh, hunting companies out there today especially as you know companies get bought and sold and then they start uh, going under um uh, i guess you would call it a conglomerate uh, a holding company that owns several different hunting companies Uh, the companies lose that communication with the the end user and they're not really concerned about what they have to say it it all is numbers related at that point is it going to make us the right amount of profit or is it not and i think it's awesome that you guys are in tight with like your end user i I agree with you i think that does happen and and honestly that is it's a scary thing because as soon as you lose connection with your customer and your community, I think it's, that's the beginning of the end for that company. Now, maybe, maybe that company can stick around and they can make a profit and they can you know, be a you know, quote unquote successful company, but I don't think you can innovate and you can, 
you can be a category or a market leader unless you are really tied in to what the community wants and, and you have to figure out a way to give it to them. So I think it's probably the secret sauce of tethered is exactly that, that we are, we, we were so plugged into the community and, you know, two years removed from launch day, we really haven't, we really haven't lost that. And it's something that we value and uh, we believe in and we try to support as much as possible. Okay. This is a two part question. One what is the learning curve or what, what's your opinion on the, the learning curve of a guy who's never used a saddle before and how long is it going to take him until he can become efficient and, you know, almost set up blindly, you know? And the second part of that question is when you are setting up, do you put the saddle on at the base of the tree? Do you get set up at the truck and walk in? How's that breakdown? Okay. So the first question is, I'm going to, I'm going to take the easy way out and say, it really depends on the person now. And let me, and I can, I can give you a a great example of that. So when we were developing the saddle, um, I wanted to get one in the hands of my brother and he'd never saddle hunted before in his life. Um, he just, he was going to a trip to Kentucky with his buddy and they were going to go hunt public land. And he's like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to carry my climber. If you can get me one of these saddle thingamajigs that you're working on now. And I was like, all right, I'll send you one. And I said, just make sure, you know, I'll get it to you in a few days in advance. You've got to make sure you go in the backyard and you learn how to do it. Um, figure out the ins and outs of it, figure out how to make it comfortable, et cetera. Well, he didn't listen to me, of course, like brothers do. He basically got the thing in the mail, threw it in his, in his hunting gear and drove to Kentucky. And the first time he set it up, he was like, he was like, I don't know what you're talking about, Greg. This thing is awesome. I, it was immediately comfortable. I had no learning curve. Uh, and, and I, you know, you were just, you were just being a baby, you know, you should have just let me use it like I wanted to. That's basically how that conversation went. Conversely, I was a very experienced saddle hunter. I had owned multiple saddles. I had made multiple saddles. And when I got the, when I was working through the tethered prototypes, it took me a while to get comfortable because I had to kind of relearn some things. So I would say if you are a fairly athletic person um, and you're very comfortable with um, being at height, you don't have any fear of height, I would say you could, your learning curve is going to be pretty short and you're going to get it pretty quickly. If you're in relatively decent shape, and you're fairly athletic, and you don't have a fear of heights. You, you're going to get it pretty dang quick. Now, if you're on the, the, the real bigger side, if you're not terribly athletic, uh, maybe not quite that coordinated, and maybe you have a fear of heights, I would say the learning curve for you is going to be fairly steep. The best way to do it is what we tell every single person to do is to, and what I told my brother to do, he just didn't listen, is to take it in the backyard, set it up on a tree, go to your your favorite piece of public land close by your house, set it up at ground level, and get in that thing and just move around the tree. Figure out how to put your knees on the tree, how to put your feet on the platform, what height you like your tether, do you like it high, do you like it low? You got to do that. If you if you'll spend a couple of sessions in the backyard just shooting your bow from a tree, it, you know six inches off the ground, you will get ninety percent there in that those first couple of little sessions. And that goes for 
pretty much anyone. I can I can have a totally brand new person that has never even seen a saddle before, very comfortable and shooting proficiently out of it in 15 or 20 minutes if I have the time to just explain how things work and to answer questions. Yeah. Uh, so I wish I could say like, for everyone, the learning curve is really, really easy, but I can't because some people just don't get it right away. And uh, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's probably mm, I got to take a stab at it. I'm gonna say 60-40 to people that kind of get it pretty quickly to the 40 percent of people that maybe need a little bit more work. Maybe maybe let's do this. Let's do 60-30-10. Let's do 60 percent. Get it pretty pretty dang quickly. Then you got 30% where it takes, you know, a couple of months of figuring it out. And then you got a small percentage of people that never really like it. They can never get comfortable with it. They, they don't like it. It feels too awkward. Um, and, you know, you're always going to have a certain percentage of people that just don't like the system. Yeah. Um, now, can you say the second question again? Because it took me a really long time to answer the Well, question. you just answered both of them, to be honest with you. So, okay. uh, oh, I know. What the uh, my bad. Uh when do you put it on? Do you put it on at the truck and walk in with it on, or do you pack it in and put it on at the bottom of the tree? I almost always put it on at the truck and walk in with it. Sometimes, um, I used to kayak on a lot out of, out of my kayak on the rivers here in Georgia. And sometimes then I would pack it in cause it just didn't really do well for me to ride in the kayak with it. But, uh, if I'm walking to my spot, I'm, 99% of the time going to walk with it on. Now, on the flip side, you've got a really well-known saddle hunter in John Eberhart. He never walks with his on. He always packs in his in his in his backpack and puts it on at the base of the tree. Honestly, I would say pro- probably 80% of guys that I that I talk to wear it in. Uh, the the vast majority of people wear it in and then you have some folks that like to just pack it in. Um, but honestly, it's it's getting smaller and smaller the amount of people that want to pack it in because they're so small and lightweight that you, when you wear it you really don't even know it's there so it doesn't take up any room in your pack which I really like that plus you save time at the base of the tree I can climb the tree faster yeah all right so currently you guys do not have a a climbing system right gaining to gain uh, get off the ground is there a that is that is true as of early july when we are recording this we do not okay all right (laughs) so knowing that and i guess you know it sounds like you're going to come out with something here pretty soon but what do you recommend for people and i know that's kind of a loaded question because you know there's so many different climbing systems that so many people like but what do you use what do your uh your end users use uh, what seems to be the the popular method i've used every climbing method imaginable um i have i have carbon fiber climbing spurs like a lineman would use and i can spike up a tree i've used every kind of step and strap on step you can imagine every kind of climbing stick you can imagine i probably have 20 different sticks in my garage uh i've used them all what i come back to most of the time is just the tried and true climbing stick. I like a, I like a a climbing stick that has two steps because 
I'm short. Like we talked about earlier, I'm only five foot seven. And where I hunt in Southeast Georgia, the deer walk around looking up in the trees. And if I'm not at 20 feet minimum, I just feel naked in a tree. And for me to, to hunt with climbing, that takes me five climbing sticks essentially to get that high. So because I'm a small guy, I, I prefer to use an aider, which, uh, it's basically something that, that, that hunters have stolen from the rock climbing world. Tether didn't invent it. It's not, it's, it's just something that people started using and it's essentially a webbing ladder that you attach to your climbing stick to give you a little bit more length out of each stick. So, so me, I use a three or four step aider and I use three climbing sticks. So that, and that can get me to in the low twenties, depending on the tree, I can get anywhere from 19 to 23 feet, just depending on how things shake out. That's my preferred method. It seems like that's what a lot of people are going to. They're going to just a simple climbing stick and, and, and a lot of guys are starting to get on the aider, the aider bandwagon. Now, if you're tall, you probably don't need it. Um, and I, like, like I know a lot of guys in the Midwest, they feel much more confident hunting at what I would call lower, you know, that 12 to 18 foot range. And, um, which is, which is great, man. I, I wish I could hunt at 15 foot. I really do. And in some places I, I can, when I'm really deep in the swamps, and the tree and the trees and the foliage uh, lend itself to that, then I, that's that's fantastic. Matter of fact, I shot a, a buck in Missouri last year, a really nice buck, and I, I was only like 12 feet off the ground. So uh, that is awesome. Um, but what I recommend for for people is to stick with a cli- uh, a climbing stick. Your your tried and true climbing stick. I don't really care what brand. There's lots of good ones out there. You can spend. 50 bucks on a set, uh, buying them on Craigslist or something. And then you can go and spend $120 per stick for some of the more fancy, you know, lightweight materials. You can spend a lot of money on these things. So I really, I guess that just depends on your budget and what's important to you. But, uh, I always, I always say get a climbing stick and get one that has two steps on it. Uh, I used to use the lone wolf's with the single step that fold, you know, you just decide at the base of the tree, which way you want it to go left or right. And then you basically alternate it all the way up the tree. Yep. I used to use those. And, um, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I just, for me, the way that I climb with an aider, I have to have a double step so I can maximize the height. If you don't, then it's, it's tough to beat that single step. Um, yeah, that's, 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 that's what I generally recommend to people. Okay. So there is a hunter and he, he hears this and he says, you know what? I think I'm going to give saddle hunting a try. And he goes and he does his research and he finds all these companies that make saddles. And I want you to tell me why he should purchase a, a tethered out of all the other uh, brands that are out there. Well, I, I've said this a lot. I, I, I just want people to, to experience the system and try it out. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, this is how I feed my family now. So that would be awesome if he chose to choose a, a tethered system. Honestly, I, I think it's the best, but you know, I'm biased cause I've created it. So it's, uh, it, it's just a really good system. The only, the things that I would, I would tell that guy, I would say, do your research figure out um, figure out what companies 
are using reputable manufacturing, what companies are doing third-party testing, what companies are following safe, you know, safety standards, not necessarily in saddle hunting because that doesn't really exist, but who is who are using the other standards that are out there in different, different industries like the arborist industry and the mountain climbing industry and who are the companies that are paying attention to those standards, who are the ones leading the charge as far as safety testing and third-party stuff. You got to just be aware of that. Um, I, for a long time, was a big proponent of making your making my own gear. Part of that was because I couldn't, I literally could not go anywhere and buy what I wanted. It didn't exist. So I had to make it. Um, now I would, I would just caution guys, you know, Hey, you know, if you're really comfortable doing that, that's fine. I, I, I don't ever want to tell someone they need to go out and spend a bunch of money on a commercial system. Just be aware that you can, you can get that stuff now that's been tested and, you know, in third party testing facilities that, are, that it's safe. Uh, so I would tell, tell the, the new saddle hunter, just do your research there's lots of options out there now. Unlike where, when, when we started, there really weren't any options. So it's, it's really a great time to be a saddle hunter because there's lots of options out there. So figure out um, what you value. Do you value lightweight? Do you value um, packability and those types of things? Figure out what makes sense to you and then go seek out those products because they're out there. Uh, and Tether's a, a really good choice because those are the things that we really care about. Absolutely. Well, Greg, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, talk with us about the brand and uh, saddle hunting in, in general. If people want to find out more information about saddle hunting and, and tethered specifically, where should we send them? We're pretty much at tethered nation, pretty much everywhere on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, our website, everything is, is tethered nation. And uh, if you, we spell it weird. It's spelled T E T H R D. Uh, that that was a great idea from a marketing perspective. It's turned out to be not such a great idea from a real world. Just, just given any time I tell someone to go email me, I have to spell it out and really make sure they understand because it's spelled weird. So uh, if you spell it correctly, you'll probably find us anyway. But uh, yeah, that's it, man. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk to your audience and and hopefully guys understand that it's a it's a it's a good method and. Maybe you don't have to be a weirdo like me, where you hunt out of a saddle every single time. But I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that there is a time and a place. Um, there's a specific scenario where a saddle setup is the best setup, and uh, you know maybe it's something that you can add to your toolkit. You know, a golfer carries more than one club. There's not every tool is always right in in this in every situation. So. Uh, just give it a chance and maybe have an open mind and do your research and maybe you'll find that the system might work best work, might work well for you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. I like bringing multiple people on from different brands and different uh, manufacturers to just talk about not only a category, but their brand specifically. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Uh, do me a favor. If you have any comments about this episode, please go to Instagram or 
Facebook and leave a comment on the Sportsman's Nation page that uh, mentions or the post that mentions this episode. Or you can comment on iTunes or wherever you download uh, your podcast. So please subscribe, follow us on social, and have a good rest of your week. 